Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hi there, Primal Blueprint Podcast listeners. This is your host, Lindsay Taylor, and I could not be more excited about who is sitting with me at my kitchen table It is the one, the only Leanne Vogel, who I'm sure you guys know. She's the creative force behind the hugely successful blog, Healthful Pursuit, and the author of the incredibly popular new book, The Keto Diet, which has been just blowing up the keto scene recently. So welcome to my kitchen. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. This is going to be such a fun day because I love talking about keto food. I love talking about cooking, and I never get to do it with other people who are so knowledgeable like you. So I'm really thrilled to have you here. Oh, geez, I'm blushing. Thanks. <laughs> so I was just hoping that you would start out by telling our listeners who might not have heard your story already a little bit about why you chose to go keto and like how you got to the place you are now and how you chose keto instead of other diets and kind of your keto journey, if yeah, you will. you bet. So I've tried every other diet other than keto when I tried it. So I studied nutrition back in 2007 and... Um, when I was studying nutrition, I learned that birth control, hormonal birth control, wasn't so good for your body. So I decided to go off that. And that kind of started the whole rigmarole and how I found keto. So 2007, I went off birth control, didn't get my period back, went to doctors. They said, well, do you want kids? And I said, no, never. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, then what's the big deal? I'm like, cool. Okay. So I didn't have my period for a total of six years until I was training for some triathlons and I had done a bunch of marathons and I was working with a coach and we were doing this muscle building, um, couple of months. Mm -hmm. And after month three, I hadn't gained any muscle. And she's like, when was your last period? This is really strange. And I'm counting on my fingers. Mm -hmm. I'm like six and a half years. And she's like, uh, (laughs) so that's not a good thing. She's the first one to wave the red flag about this for you. That's crazy. Yeah. And you know, when you're in your early twenties, it's like, I don't have my period. That's great. I can go swimming whenever I can wear (laughs) white pants. I don't have to worry. And so that kind of started my interest in wanting to get my period back. I ended up going on hormone replacement therapy Mm -hmm. because it was the only therapy that any, like no other doctor would help me. And so when I went on hormone replacement therapy, I gained 20 pounds in less than two months Mm -hmm. and it just came on so fast and I felt so helpless. Mm -hmm. And when I went to a naturopath, she said, okay, well, the only way we can stop the weight gain is for you to go low carb. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm like vegan mostly, like Mm -hmm. 95% vegan. I've been this way for eight years. How can I do low carb vegan? Like that's not even possible. Mm -hmm. And so I was on Instagram that night and one of my girlfriends had posted a picture um, where she used the hashtag keto. Mm. And I'm like, what's a keto? That looks fun. (laughs) And I clicked on that hashtag and all of a sudden I saw like sausage and cheese and diet Coke. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what are these people doing? What is this? So I researched it a bit and I was like, okay, like this sounds like Not only will it help me stop the weight, it'll help me lose the weight. And it looks like there might be some benefits to hormones here too. So I decided to ditch the plant-based vegan thing that I had going on and try keto for 30 days. And just did it all on your own? All on my own. I just switched everything. My first day I ate bacon for the first time in over eight years. It was amazing. And the angels descended. Yes, and like, like, oh my gosh, I've been missing all this. I ate um, very much to plan. I counted my macros mm-hmm. like religiously for mm-hmm. those the first 30 days. I was all about it. And 
After the 30 days, I had lost 12 pounds, 8% body fat. I was off my ADHD medication, which I hadn't even planned. Like I thought this was a thing I would do forever. Right, right. And um, my hormones, well, they hadn't improved. They hadn't gotten worse, which they had been doing for mm-hmm. quite some time. So I figured, okay, now I have to go out to my vegan following right. on Healthful Pursuit and be like, I'm sorry I've been eating bacon and mayonnaise every day for the last month. <laughs> so that was fun. How did that go? Like, tell me about that, that was process. Horrible. Was it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> no. It was terrifying because I had quit my job a couple of years before, mm-hmm. and Healthful Pursuit was finally getting to a place where I was, you know, supplementing the income that I lost, mm-hmm. and I just I felt so inauthentic talking about something that I wasn't practicing anymore right. with the whole vegan thing, um, and so I just figured, okay. You know, this is part of my process. This is why I started Healthful Pursuit mm-hmm. was to just share my journey and my journey has changed and I've found something else. And when I went out to everyone, I lost a lot of people. Did I mean, it just, it was horrible, but then I gained so much more. So I think that was a really cool experience of just following my gut and honoring where my body was going with this. And I, I knew I owed it to the people in the community, even outside the community that I hadn't met yet, that were struggling with more of a plant-based diet or maybe a paleo diet, and it just wasn't mm-hmm. enough, and they right. just needed something else. Like, I was doing everything right. Like, mm-hmm. you name it, I did it, and it just wasn't working. Right. And so I just decided, why not? And how how many years happened. ago was that? Uh, that was 2014. So three, three, three years Three now. and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it really does explain a lot, though, because if anyone has your book, they'll know that you're so good about taking all of your advice and all of your recipes and explaining how so many different types of people could make them work. And yeah. so to hear how that's your background, it just totally puts some pieces together about how you're so sensitive to all these different groups needs. And yet you're able to kind of put them all into this giant umbrella framework of keto. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've done all of those right. diets, <laughs> like right. every single one I've done. So what does your diet look like today then? Like, how would you say, you know, in an average week, like what kinds of foods are you eating? Are you kind of avoiding anything in particular? It's definitely changed over the last couple of years. Like when I started keto, my main goal originally was to do hormone stuff, but I got really sidetracked with weight loss. Mm -hmm. And so the first six months was like, gotta lose the weight, gotta look tight and trim and awesome. (laughs) And then it became, okay, I actually need to heal my body. And so then it became a lot of carving up, which I'm sure we'll talk about and honoring myself and trying to heal my hormones. When I got my period back, then it was like, okay, now I'm ovulating and I'm doing all these things. So how does that adjust? And now I'm really focused on gut healing. Mm -hmm. Now that my hormones are good, I know that my gut needs a lot of support. So I've been dabbling around with a low oxalate diet Mm -hmm. lately. I don't do nightshades. I'm avoiding nuts and seeds mostly mm-hmm. um nuts for sure but i'm slowly taking out seeds i think you know too often i have pushed myself too far too fast and mm-hmm. i think a lot of people feel that of like if you look at a low oxalate list you're like how <laughs> right how am i going to do this right. but it's like okay for right now i'm going to list off three you know high oxalate foods and i'm going to avoid those foods so like no chocolate no nuts and I'm trying to remove greens, but it is the hardest thing. Like so, spinach, spinach, kale, spinach, spinach is the, is big the one. number one. Yeah. Spinach is like the big one. So I think it's it's always you know my message is like ebbing and flowing with where your body's at, and right. I know that this time next year it'll probably be in a different place. But I really feel like my gut needs love and support. So that's I eat a lot of bacon, 
a lot of meat, <laughs> a lot of vegetables. Um, I'm really digging cabbage right now again. And I've been playing around a lot with fasting. Now that my hormones are a lot better, I find that I can fast way easier than I could two years ago when I was trying to heal and balance my hormones. So that's been pretty fun of like, how long can I go without eating? Oh, wow. I just went a whole day. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many things I, that came to mind while you were talking. I mean, I really think that it's so important to reiterate this point that it is a process. Like you yes. did not change overnight. You're three years into it and you're still finding things that you can optimize and work on and tweak. And that it doesn't have to be like from day one, you did this and then it worked or it didn't. And if yes. it worked out the window and if it didn't, then you might as well just go back to eating fruity pebbles. Totally. And it's also, you know, being honest with yourself and your progress, you know, a year ago, my psoriasis on my scalp, psoriasis rather was so bad that I was embarrassed to like have my hair in public. Mm -hmm. Like there was just so many flakes and it was itchy all the time. I don't have an itchy scalp you know, right. win for me. So I think we really need to look at how far we've come and honor where we've come from. Cause right. I think too often we're like, yeah, but I don't have that thing that I want, which is insert thing here. Right. So I think that's also important to kind of look at the big picture for sure. And I do think like oftentimes that thing for people is weight loss. Yes. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's sad because even a lot of people come to the keto diet because they are looking to heal other symptoms, mm -hmm. right? And yes, there's often weight to lose, but that's not really, I mean, you can lose weight by doing a lot of different diets. Like there's a lot of diets to lose weight. And the yeah. benefit of keto, I think, is that you can also heal yourself along the way, but that you start eating keto and the most tangible measure of success is the scale, even though it's also the worst, right? Yeah. And it's so hard, you know, because now at the time that you and I are recording, um, our book, The Keto Reset Diet, has been out for about, two months. And so people are kind of, if they are following the book, they're maybe three or four or five weeks into mm -hmm. keto. And it's starting to be at that point where it's like, well, have I lost enough weight or I haven't lost any weight? And am I doing something wrong? And it's so hard to say, okay, but maybe you're not losing weight because your body is healing from the inside out yes. and you can't see that. You can't. And it's just little things like you know, maybe the inflammation in your fingers goes down just a mm -hmm. touch, or maybe your mood is better that when you wake up in the morning, you actually want to get started with your day. Like all these tiny little things that maybe we're just too busy to kind of check in with ourselves. But it's a very hard message to sell people on the fact that like, yeah, if you're not losing weight, you're probably healing. And you could also have imbalances that need that support. You know, in right. the case of adrenal dysfunction, if your adrenals are so overworked, no amount of poking and prodding with your calories and macros is going to help you lose weight. Like mm -hmm. you need to not go to the gym. You need to sleep a lot, probably eat a lot and just take it easy. And that's really hard for people to grasp. Well, I think part of the problem is, unfortunately, we use the word diet when we describe it because yeah. we don't really have a better word, right? Like the keto way of eating is actually a better way of saying it, but it's just not our vernacular, right? So yeah. as soon as we say diet, people immediately start thinking and hoping yeah. that the promise is going to be weight loss. Huge. Huge. And honestly, it probably will make you lose weight if you have weight to lose, but it may not be the first thing you see. I think I really like that you said, if you have weight to lose, and that That's is a huge different thing. for a lot of people. Like mm -hmm. I know that if I want to be cut with like six pack abs around 115 pounds, I can do that on keto. I've done mm -hmm. it. It works. It was great. I looked awesome, but I felt like absolute garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's just like by honoring my body and healing it, I know that I'm going to just be heavier. Like that's just a thing. I can't be 115 pounds 
and have my period and ovulate and do all those things that are important to me and have a healed gut. Keto right. can get me there for sure, but you know, I'm going more toward the I want to be 90 years old feeling good in my body still. Right. And I also want to reiterate to the listeners who may have caught this point that you didn't start fasting immediately. True. That that is a tool, but that <laughs> it's only that it works best once you have kind of this baseline health that a lot of people don't have at the beginning. They just don't. Yes, and a lot of people push themselves to fast. I mm-hmm. don't know if you see that too mm-hmm. of okay, well, keto comes with fasting, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to fast for the morning, and they're starving through the whole day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not supposed to be your fasting experience. It should, it should just be like, oh, my gosh, it's 5 p.m. I haven't eaten today. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess I'm fasting. Right. You know, more of a afterthought type of thing. And, you know, if you do have hormone imbalances, especially if you're a woman in reproductive age and you've been chronic dieting for 10 years mm-hmm. and you're counting calories and you're trying to fast – you're not going to have a good time with all that. <laughs> no. And that, I think you're right that it's the messaging that, you know, when you start to learn about keto, you also start to learn about fasting and you get caught up in what you quote unquote should be mm. doing or the right way to keto. And it is true that a lot of keto people fast because keto has the benefit of regulating your appetite and you do find yourself less hungry. And even in the keto reset diet, we say, you know, after you've been eating um, you know, your first 21 days where you're going primal, just see what happens if you push back breakfast an hour or two, mm-hmm. you know, but that's not the same as doing an 18, six, yeah. seven days a week. The question is, are you hangry if you don't eat right on schedule? Totally. And even the seven days a week that you mentioned, just because you want to dabble around with intermittent fasting doesn't mean you have to do it every single day. No. <laughs> like I've had people come to me totally stressed out. Like I missed my fast yesterday. I accidentally had breakfast. I was just so hungry. Oh my gosh. Now I have to start again. It's like, Fasting doesn't work that way. Like yeah. you fast when you can fast and you don't when you don't. Like it's not a big deal. It's not like the world's going to end. No. And and just by the same token, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying like, okay, you know, I'm going to aim for like one day a week to do yeah. a 24 hour fast. Cool. Fine. But that doesn't mean that you have to like rigidly subscribe to any single one eating yes. pattern. Because again, that's not what keto is about. Like keto is all about, you know, when we say food freedom, right? That's truly what we mean. And once you've now put a new set of rules on yourself, you're no longer free. Exactly. And that's a real bummer. And I see that being a big stumbling block for people trying to do too much too soon and having expectations that when they aren't really realistic, make them feel like they've done something wrong. Yeah. And then they, you know, overeat, you know, eat all the things on the weekend. They're like, screw this diet. It's not working. I'll start again on Monday. And it doesn't need to be that way. I think it's all about that mentality. And that's very much like you said, Lindsay, of that dieting mentality. People are hearing this word diet and they're thinking, okay, I need to restrict. I need to feel like I'm missing something in order to be successful. And when I let go of those reins and I just said, okay, I'm just going to eat all of the fats, right? not a lot of the carbs, and I'm just going to see where my body takes me, that's when I discovered the success that I ended up having on keto is just letting my body do its thing mm-hmm. in this high fat environment. But as you know, I'm sure, and I'm sure you ran into this at the beginning because you said that you were kind of micromanaging mm-hmm. at the beginning, that there is this, it's this double-edged sword, right? To kind of do, to do keto right, you do need to measure at the beginning, just to make sure that you are restricting carbs to like an appropriate level. And I think it's really important to make sure you're eating enough calories, right? That to me is, they're the two reasons to really track at the beginning. But then once you introduce tracking, then you introduce this element of trying to control what you eat instead of just seeing it as a learning, part of the learning process, right? I think it really depends on what your relationship with food is. Mm -hmm. Like I've met certain people that 
do really well with tracking. They just see it as a tool. And if they go over, they go over. If they're under, they're under. Like, no big deal. Mm -hmm. And then there's people like me that are, like, actually having anxiety attacks in Mm -hmm. their car because they ate an extra, I'm, this is a real story, an extra florette of broccoli at dinner, and I was having a panic attack because mm-hmm. it put me over my carbohydrates. If you have that sort of relationship with it, I would recommend something like a keto meal plan where it's all laid out for you and you know that the macros are set, but you don't have to worry about actually counting them. Mm-hmm. Then it's, you know, you're following along, you get to listen to your body and you know when you're hungry or not. Um, and you can put your trust in that program instead of worrying about counting it yourself. But you're right. In order, especially if you're coming from more of a higher carb eating style and then you're trying to go keto and maybe you don't even know what a carb is mm-hmm. and what a fat is and how right. to do that. It's really beneficial to track if you can handle that with your relationship with food. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. I've never really thought about recommending that to people like finding a keto meal plan that's laid out um, because you're right. The, the tracking is it's just so individual how much people can handle it or not. Yeah. And it really there, you know, it's, it's complicated because it is important to restrict carbs. And that's another word that we then layer on top of keto. You know, we've layered the word restriction on top. Right. But then another thing I'm finding that people are having a hard time with is trying to balance the idea that their appetite will regulate and they will find Mm. themselves being less hungry with the idea that it is really important to eat enough, especially if you are, healing, you know, hormone dysregulation, gut dysbiosis, you know, any kind of chronic health problem whatsoever, really. Yeah. I find the mega thing with that is making sure that if you are doing like the exogenous ketone thing and it's stopping you from eating, you should probably not take that product. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I dabbled in uh, many months ago and I could go days without eating really? on exogenous mm-hmm. ketones, like no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've been dabbling around with it because I know my hormones are better and I can handle that. Um, but that's the number one thing I see of people not eating enough because they're doing exogenous ketones or because they're almost doing too much MCT oil or too much mm-hmm. of that where it's just generating that many ketones that you're just not hungry. Mm-hmm. So for healing, it's a matter of like, maybe don't do fasting, um, you know, have your breakfast, lunch, dinner, or space it out differently, however you want to do mm-hmm. it. And maybe not fatty coffees either, because although they're a great tool, mm-hmm. if you're trying to heal, they don't really have that many nutrients actually in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some recommendations I have for people that are struggling with, I'm not hungry on keto, but then there's the other flip side of people that aren't hungry, but feel like they should eat because that's what they should be doing. And they have that relationship with food where they want to eat because it makes them feel good. So then, you know, with keto, the really cool thing I've seen is people actually mend their relationship with food because they're eating this diet that doesn't make them hungry. And now what do they do with their time? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I should be eating breakfast right now, but I don't need breakfast. So okay, what do I do? (laughs) Right. So a lot of people, you know, meditate or go for a walk or these extra things that we couldn't do because we were so stressed about snacks and lunch and lunch and dinner and breakfast and all those things. So that's been a really cool benefit that I've seen a lot of people discover of like, okay, food was my crutch that I used when I was feeling sad, but now that I'm not hungry, what do I fill that with? What makes me happy? I like bubble baths. Right. So now they're (laughs) doing more bubble baths. So that's really cool too. But again, that all comes down to accepting that it's going to take time and it's going to be a process and that's going to evolve constantly and that you have to be willing to do 
kind of the self work to actually think and like reflect on what you're doing. And that is one thing about, I have found about keto is that it makes some things easier, but it also kind of, it makes the food easier. But then as you're saying, like it kind of takes out the automaticity that you had built mm-hmm. in around like structuring your food yes. and knowing what you were going to eat. And then it really does force you to kind of think like, okay, what role did food play in my life? And it can be very uncomfortable for some people to kind of have to process those things. Huge. And it's taken me a couple of years to kind of figure (laughs) that out because yeah, what do you place that in? And when I'm sad, I don't eat. And so how do I nurture myself if it's not with food? And so those are big questions and nothing that people really need to delve into if they don't want to, but it becomes a lot um, uh, more open in that space when you're eating keto and you are having these questions being asked of you, you can really delve deep if you want to. Right. And yeah, you're right. You don't have to, and you certainly don't have to do all the work at once. So no. like change your diet and fix all your deep seated emotional <laughs> issues. Like that's totally fine. But I do think it's helpful to like remind people like, oh yeah, maybe if I'm struggling a little bit with this, it's not the food yeah, and it may be something else. And I can, I am allowed to push that to the back burner a little bit while I figure out the food totally. and maybe it stays there and you know, whatever, but that, you know, if you're struggling with changing your whole way of eating, that maybe it's not just about what you're putting in your mouth. And that's something we really don't talk about very much. Yeah. It's something I have really delved deep into on Healthful Pursuit and even in the book of looking at other ways of um, feeding yourself outside of food and how to do that. So you've obviously helped a lot of people who are coming from a different way of eating, whether it's sad or paleo or primal or vegan. So if you're talking to someone and they're brand new to the keto diet, what are, do you think, the the things that are easiest or maybe most important, like the most critical, the low-hanging fruit that for like a very beginner level? I think first off, it's familiarizing yourself with what a carb is. Uh-huh. Like a lot of people don't understand what carbs are. They think that carbs are bread and pasta, but things like corn, because it's a vegetable, is like fair game. So I think if you're coming from more of the sad diet, that's a very real thing that yeah. you're going to have to navigate. Whereas if you are somebody like, who's paleo primal and just wanting to up their game. It may be a matter of for you, the low hanging fruit really is looking at dates, sweet potatoes and kind of shifting that around. Um, now if you are obsessed with sodas and things like that, I think another one is switching to mineral water or kombucha or, um, water kefir. Uh, other things can include, um, more snacking. So when people start eating keto, I find that they apply what they, how they used to eat with the keto way of living. And they'll feel like they need a lot of snacks around to like Mm -hmm. keep them happy. And I think for the, for the first couple of weeks, you may find that you are snacky and you're hungry because your body's a little bit confused of what fuel it's using. And you might find that you're actually hungrier. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, familiarizing yourself with high fat snacks that are super easy, like celery and nut butter or, Um, I really like making like little tiny fat bombs with just cacao powder, um, and coconut oil Mm -hmm. and freezing that just to have those sorts of things. And that can be really easy to, um, navigate when you are hungry going toward those. Um, if you are too busy, I really like drinking something like, um, like bone broth Mm -hmm. blended with fat just so that you're learning kind of how to, uh, navigate not having to prepare food all the time. I really like, if you don't like making your own bone broth, cause I actually hate making broth. I love it. You do. <laughs> oh my it. gosh. I dislike it very much. So I use something like a kettle and fire mm-hmm. just in a Tetra back, easy to do. 
Um, but I think those are some of the easiest ways and really just looking at your carbohydrate consumption and finding either replacements for that if you can, or going a completely different direction and looking for more of the like fat bomb recipes or, you know, like the blended drinks with oil just to kind of sway around over the snacks that you used to eat. I find snacks are really difficult for people. Yeah. And snacking, you know, going back to what we were talking about a minute ago about the whole, like trying to layer the dietary change on top of fasting. Yeah. The snacking thing is another thing. I see the same thing where it's like, you hear that when you're keto, you can't snack. Don't snack. Don't snack at all. Like snacking is a dirty word. You never eat between meals and you're only eating two meals a day. And it's like, Again, yeah. that you, you may get to that point, but yeah. maybe not in the first two weeks or three Completely. weeks or two months even, you know, and like, this is another area where people, I think, come into it without enough kind of, you know, grace for themselves, right? Where they have these expectations where they're going to go from zero to, you know, this model keto immediately. And that's just not how it works because no. it's not, it's not just a matter of willpower, right? Or decision-making, but it's also, you are literally changing how your body fuels itself. Everything. Everything. Like everything. If you're hungry, just eat, make sure it's high fat. Like, right. that's like just focus on one thing at a time. You're right. I think people just get so overwhelmed with different things. And for me, I would say nine times out of 10, it's probably people not knowing what to eat for snack because they're still wanting snacks. So focus on snacks. Right. And Remind yourself you are allowed to be hungry on keto. Yes. Like that's another huge thing is that people think that when they go to keto, they're not going to be hungry, like ever. And that's yeah. just not – I certainly am hungry often, daily. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I get hungry and then I eat food and it's yeah. amazing and it's simple. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that are so different from the traditional paradigm that it feels like – it feels like rules where really it's just like these things will evolve into your natural way of eating yeah. if you don't try to force it. Totally. But it's really hard. It's really hard because of the emotional component. Yeah. And I think too, if you're following people, specifically like keto people, and you're listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos, and they're like shaking their finger at you saying that you shouldn't do something, or if you're in a Facebook group, and when you say, here's the snack that I made with celery and almond butter, and people are like, snacking, you're not keto, like blocked, (laughs) then maybe you shouldn't be part of those communities, and you should align yourself with a group of people or a podcast or something where it's more of that gentle flow through learning about how keto works, how it works with your body and baby stepping it. Because I made those mistakes at the very beginning of, um, I was at a yoga retreat uh, for the first couple of days of me eating keto. And I remember being so hungry for breakfast and like forcing myself to have my black tea with my coconut oil. And I wouldn't even pack a lunch and I would wait until I got back. And then I would binge eat on all the Mm -hmm. keto foods all night because I was just so hungry and then I'd be uncomfortable. So like, don't put yourself through that. Right. No, your way of eating should not make you unhappy. No, it really shouldn't. And you know, it's okay to admit that like, oh, I miss, you know, some non-keto food you ate before, right? Like, man, I remember when I used to love Snickers or whatever. That's fine to like acknowledge that those foods served a purpose and you enjoyed them at one time in your life. But you also shouldn't be unhappy with your Mm -hmm. way of eating. You know, yes, there can be stumbling blocks and yes, the transition period might be a little bit rough, but if you're genuinely miserable, then you're, then that's the thing you're doing wrong. Yeah, totally. That's the sign you're doing something wrong. Not because you needed a snack. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad we agree on that. Like, awesome. so like everyone should be happy on keto. Um, so let's talk about the idea that I hear a lot. And I know that you and I both agree that this is, you know, that this is maybe another sign that you're maybe putting too many expectations on yourself or doing something wrong is that you hear that the ketogenic diet is hard. Yeah. I hear this a lot and it was never challenging for me. I I think because I 
started to feel good so quickly. Mm-hmm. And the reason I started feeling good is what we were talking about is just like taking a moment to honor where you've come from, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's really important too. So I think it can be hard if you're surrounded with people that don't support you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have like a ton of kids or maybe you're a single parent and you're running around and you're trying to make all of this work and you're trying to do too many things at once. Mm-hmm. I think if you're finding keto hard, it's probably because a, you're missing a certain food that you're not getting and you miss that relationship that you had with that food. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was definitely like potato chips, like the mm-hmm. crunchy crunchiness mm-hmm. of crunchinesses. Like I just love crunchy food. So it was like, okay, how can I, you know, do some crunchy foods in here and make, still make them keto, like zucchini chips and those Mm -hmm. sorts of things to just get that crunch. And I think where, you know, where people have those issues is when they don't take that moment to kind of check in with, with themselves. And then they feel like it's too hard. I don't have people that support me. I miss certain foods. I'm trying to do too many things at once. It's like simplify it, like Mm -hmm. break it down really simple. Like what are you going to have for breakfast? That's high fat. Cool. Eat that lunch. Cool. Eat that. And if you're out with friends, um, you know, maybe you have carbs that evening right? and maybe you don't, maybe you say, I'll have the salad, please pass the olive oil. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of FOMO, like the fear of missing out Mm -hmm. is so big on these sorts of diets. And then it becomes, you know, why are you doing this? If it's just because, you know, Sue from accounting said it was a cool way to do stuff and you really don't have a purpose of doing this, for sure it's going to be hard because you don't actually want to be here. But if you have a mission and you want to accomplish something and you're you're striving for something, for me it was never hard. I really, 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 really wanted my period back. (laughs) I was like, I'm focused, I'm doing this, and that's why I care. And it's not hard because the harder thing is living every day not feeling like a woman. To right. me, it was just like, I'm doing this because I want this so bad. So yeah. I think you have to know why you're doing it. Yeah. And I think that it's also, again, about just taking a step back, taking a deep breath and allowing yourself to just to do things simply. Like I mm-hmm. do feel like there's this level of, okay, I'm going to make this big change. And I'm going to completely yes. change the way I eat and everything's going to like, now you're going to make these meals. And it's going to be like a thing. And it's like, you could just take a bag of broccoli slaw and a pound of ground beef and put it in a skillet with a bunch of bacon fat or butter and stir it up and put a dollop of mayonnaise on it and Done. eat that every night. And you would be getting the, your protein. You'd be getting your vegetables. <laughs> you'd be getting your fats and you would, and it, by the way, it would taste good too. You could get and, really crazy and put like a handful of walnuts on there. <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here with your crazies No, it's true. And it, but it's like people, I think again, like it's the, it's the uncertainty and the fear and the lack of trust in themselves that they bring to the table. The actual food is not hard. The actual food is not hard at all. Eggs and bacon are not hard. You know, sauteing some zucchini is not hard. No, it's super easy. It's so good. And look at recipes as more of inspiration. Like see how people are combining different foods in different ways. And then it's like, okay, I didn't know that I could put cheese on salmon. Right. I didn't know I could put almond butter and ground beef. You can do that? You can do that. Oh my gosh. See? There you go. (laughs) It's pretty good. So And I learned that from Brad. So yeah. But yeah, same thing. But even though I love trying new foods. Even then, I still rarely follow recipes, at least not to a T. No, me neither. (laughs) No, but you have a special kind of layer of complication on your keto life because you're living in your RV slash motor coach, which I assume has, I've seen the pictures actually, it's super cute on the inside, but it's still a motor coach size kitchen. Like it's not like you're working in 
a big space there. No, it's pretty small. I mean, our counter's pretty large, but we do have a gas range. It has two burners. I haven't used it once. I use my Instant Pot for Mm. everything. Really? Everything. Everything. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, Instant Pot. So tell us what you're eating. So so I guess, again, backing up, you and Kevin are on the road full-time right now. Full-time, on the road. Have been for... Five months? Now? Yeah. So what kind of meals are you eating? I make a lot of shredded meat mm-hmm. in the Instant Pot. So I'll put in, like this morning, I put a bunch of pork chops in there with some bone broth. And I cooked it down till it was shreddable. And then I saved the bone broth for cooking stuff later or making mm-hmm. gravy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we just shredded it. And I made Kevin eggs with it. And I just made like these little taco things with eggs in it. And it was really easy. So simple. Uh, yeah. The Instant Pot. I mean, if there's one thing that people could get for their kitchen if they don't have a lot of space in the instant pot like it sautés it makes soup it cooks hard-boiled eggs like it basically does all of the things so i think the the biggest challenge when you're eating on the road especially if you have access to a kitchen is like knowing where to go to get good food Hmm. like um we've been trying to play around with getting a butcher box subscription and then just in different places, picking it up from different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the Amazon locker is great yeah. for some of those things to just have it delivered to a locker and picking it up. But I think it's really about just the simplification. Like we have a box of oils and in the fridge, we have all of our vegetables and in the freezer, all of our meats. Mm-hmm. And then it's just throwing everything in the instant pot and cooking it and adding whatever fat and a lot of bacon. <laughs> a lot of bacon and some salt and some spices like if you have like two or three you don't spices. need spices no. oh man see i just have like two or three spice blends that i really like one is your cajun spice yeah blend. yeah it's, a good it's really good and i put that on everything yeah you just need to have one or two spice blends you like i have like one that's like the cajun which is like my red stuff i want to be red mm-hmm. and then i have like a veggie rub that's like stuff i want to taste a little bit more herby and like those are the two i use and that's Perfect. it and you just Put one on vegetables, one on meat, one on cheese, whatever. It's so easy. Totally. Salt, it really pepper, doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. Now, what about like if you're entertaining or I guess you probably aren't hosting a ton of people in the RV. You know what? It's you... funny you say that. We've hosted probably like five people really? at this point. Yeah. We've been invited to potlucks or like barbecues or we've had people over for dinner. Mm-hmm. It's just really easy. I, I mean, even my mother, who's not keto, she has my book. And every time she invites people over, she gets really excited and she cooks from the book and she talks about my book and she gets really, really pumped about it. Um, And they don't eat keto. My mom doesn't eat keto. And these people are like, oh my gosh, this tastes so good. What is this? Oh my gosh, how much fat did I just eat? They're really interested in it. Um, But I just, I basically make whatever we eat and people, we call it shovel food in our house. Mm -hmm. Like it's basically, you just shovel it into your (laughs) mouth. It's kind of like a mush of things. And you know, if I have guests over, I kind of make it prettier. I'll make like a salad on the side and everything, but it still remains keto and low carb. And only once did I have like a get together with our neighbors and their kids, they were small. um, Mm -hmm. They just weren't down with what I made. So their mom ran across the street to get bread and cheese to make grilled cheese. But that's the only time I've ever had somebody say, this doesn't work for me. Otherwise I just cook keto food and people eat it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I honestly feel like if you're feeding adults, then you just feed them meat and vegetables, same as you would eat. And they're grown ups, and they can eat that. Totally. The kids thing is a little trickier. It does get a little trickier, although and this actually comes up a lot in our, in our Facebook community, the question of, you know, kids on keto and whether you think kids, should be eating a keto diet. And I feel pretty strongly that if you, unless there is a medical reason for them to be eating a ketogenic diet, 
it's not necessary at all to feed your kids ketogenic diet. I feel the same way. I think kids thrive on fat and it's so cool to watch kids gravitate toward fat if they're, if they're allowed to do that. You know, I have a friend who has a ton of kids and one of her sons just eats butter, like just slices the butter Uh and eats it solid. And it's amazing to watch Mm -hmm. him do this. But I think, yeah, kids thrive with more fat, but I think they need to also be allowed to make their own choices Mm -hmm. and education around food is really important. I grew up in a household where it was like only healthy food and this is the way we eat. And so I binged a lot Mm. when I wasn't around my family because I felt so restricted. So I think it's also just teaching your kids, why do we eat avocado? Like what is the benefit of avocado? Why would we eat this over something else? Why do we make pudding with avocado? Why wouldn't we just get the Jello snacks? What is the difference? So they are educated and they can make their own choices. But I agree with you. I don't think a child should be strict ketogenic. I just don't think it's necessary. It's just not necessary. Yeah. It's not that the, there's anything wrong with the food. Yeah. It's just that the layer of, of added food kind of intensity is not really necessary in childhood. And we know that children by and large can process carbohydrates pretty well. So that's a non-issue, you know? And so I just, you know, for my own kids, when they eat dinner with us, they eat the same things that we eat and maybe they get some like quinoa or rice or something on the side and guess what it's fine but I don't feel the need to like if I'm feeding other adults I it's not like oh man I better make a lasagna because you know the neighbors are coming over no I can still make a pot roast or a chicken and a salad something I'm really sensitive about though is um when people come for dinner I always ask them about like what their food allergies are Mm -hmm. and intolerances because I know what it's like being on the other end of it and people not like respecting my allergies. Mm -hmm. So I'm always really cognizant of that. But other than that, I keep it keto. And when my husband, Kevin wasn't keto before I basically made it like what you do with your kids is like, you're eating a keto meal. I'm just going to add carbs and take away some of the fat and that's your meal. So I never made two separate meals ever. He just got extra carbs with his stuff. And I took away some of the fat, like didn't put walnuts on a salad or, um, went light on the dressing and added quinoa Mm -hmm. or pasta or whatever he wanted on the side. Yeah. I mean, same thing. Like my husband's not in a eating a super keto phase right now. So he eats the same things we eat. And then he uses our instant pot and makes a big batch of potatoes like once a week. And so basically his dinner is exactly my dinner, but with potatoes. Yeah. There you go. And it's super easy. And when you're eating the way that you and I both like to eat apparently, which is like you throw some meat and some vegetables (laughs) together and throw some sauce on it. It's pretty easy if you just keep the components separate to start and then you throw, you know, okay, even with multiple children or whatever, like, okay, child A will eat, you know, like the meat and this vegetable and child B will eat the meat and a different vegetable and child C will eat a meat and a third vegetable. It's really not that complicated. Cook the meat, add the separate vegetables. Right. Here you go. <laughs> it's easy. And you can do the same thing with grownups, although if grownups are making your life that hard, then... Maybe go out for dinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> meet at a restaurant. But yeah. for real, like there is a there is a big question about when you are living with people who are following an entirely different diet, and especially if you're the one who's kind of responsible for making yeah. the food. Like I see that being a huge source of stress for people, and hugely of like my husband likes potato chips, so we mm-hmm. have them in the house. But I don't eat that mm-hmm. way, and he eats that way in front of me, and so I feel like I need to eat the potato chips. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult place to be in. It's really hard, and you know I think with anything, it's just pushing your lifestyle on your family isn't going to work and mm-hmm. just going to push them away further. So I just like to lead by example and just keep doing my thing and stay focused and eat the food that I know makes me feel good. And I mean, it took Kevin almost three years to like come around to keto. And then all of a sudden it was this light bulb moment 
And now he's more hardcore than me. Like he is <laughs> like, he's preaching all the ketoness That's and so learning funny. things. So I think it just takes time for yeah. people to see the change. Yeah, we have the opposite in our house where Jake was primal before I was. <laughs> and now I have swung the pendulum so far yeah, in our house. I and like it. To the point where he's like, stop talking to me yeah. about food. <laughs> and I'm like, well, now you know how I felt from the years 19, whatever, yeah. 99 to 2004, or yeah. whatever it was. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no, this is like, this is great to talk about these practical applications because I do think that, you know, people people hear it's hard and they go into it with this mindset that it's going to be hard. Mm. And then you are inevitably going to hit a challenge or hit a roadblock. There's just absolutely no way to travel any kind of path to lifestyle change or health change and not encounter some bumps along the road. And it takes a lot of, you know, grit to, to encounter those bumps and not blame yourself and take a step back and problem solve. Yeah. And I just, it's hard because the dietary realm really is so emotionally intertwined or fraught, you know, that there is this tendency to blame yourself when something goes wrong. And really it's very unlikely that you have made a bad choice, like a truly like just a like wrong choice. Like that would object, like anybody would look at you and be like, "Mm, that was wrong. Yeah. There are choices that are better or worse for your particular situation, but honestly, there's no way to find out until you try. Completely. And my whole thing is, well, at least it's not heroin. <laughs> like that is a wrong choice. That is a very that is a wrong bad choice. choice. So you know, when I make that bowl of popcorn, which I know is going to inflame this finger right here, like my finger gets inflamed. Yeah. I, I mean, it's such a good test, though. You're so is. lucky that you have like, so your great. test finger. <laughs> but you know, like I make that popcorn, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay. I'm going to make this choice. I'm going to eat this popcorn. It's a choice I'm making. At least it's not heroin. I'm I'm doing okay. So I think too, it's like, I think you're right, Lindsay. It's like we're made to feel like if we're not following this um, protocol, hundred percent, that we're doing something bad, we're bad humans. And I've learned that's just not the way that I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And anyone who kind of puts that belief on me, I usually run in the opposite direction because nobody can really tell you, what's right for your body or your life only that you know you're meant to feel good and you have a right to feel good and if you just follow that guide and make choices along the way that you feel are right for your body and even just conscious choices that you know are wrong like i ate popcorn a couple weeks ago and i'm still dealing with that pain in my <laughs> index finger like interesting it's brutal so then you know and right. you're dealing with those those consequences and at least you're you know those consequences right you have learned something about yourself totally and there's nothing wrong with that that's exactly. only that's only moving you in a positive direction. That's as long as gift. you're learning, you're still moving. Completely. And what a gift we have that we're able to connect to our bodies in that way. Like that's amazing. Yay. Oh my yeah. gosh. This has been an amazing conversation. And I'm gonna just end it right there because I just really feel like that's the take home message I want people to get. But I do have a couple rapid fire questions Kay. for you. As long as I've got Leanne in my house, I'm not gonna miss the chance. Okay. <laughs> so rapid fire, quick answers. Leanne. What do you think the biggest benefit of this lifestyle has been for you? Oh, oh. Besides the um, period thing. <laughs> better understanding of my body. What one food would you not want to live without? Bacon. And easy. Okay. <laughs> what five things do you think that every keto cook should have in their kitchen? Like five ingredients. Oh, ingredients. Um, Bacon can count. Bacon's a great <laughs> Bacon's both I was going to say Instant Pot. You oh. need that. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you need an Instant Pot. Instant Pot. Um, if you don't like making broth, I would totally recommend a pre-made broth like Kettle and Fire. Um, 
Okay, coconut oil. Coconut oil for, for sure. For like cooking and yep. stuff. And then I really like avocado oil because it can be cooking, it can be salads, you can mm-hmm. mix it up. And then like one really good high fat meat. Mm. Those would be my I agree. I think ground beef. (laughs) Yeah. We eat so much ground beef. Me too. All right. And then last question, three things in the world besides bacon that make you happy. Spontaneity. Mm. Doing crazy stuff that I don't even know I'm going to do tomorrow. Um, Purple hair. Yes. Leanne's hair is very epic. (laughs) It's like purple. Um, And I would say the connection I have with my husband. Oh. Yeah. I would have to say that that would go. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, so Leanne, tell everybody where they can find you and find out more about the work you're doing. Yeah, so you guys can head to healthfulpursuit.com. That's where I have all my YouTube videos and podcasts and all the different products that I've created over the years. Um, I have a podcast called The Keto Diet Podcast. Mm -hmm. I know, super original. (laughs) Which I refer people to all the time. Oh, thank you. And I should say, too, that your podcast often covers covers topics that are of particular relevance to women. Yeah. There's a lot about hormones and, you know, sex hormones and thyroid hormones and the, how women may or may not adapt to keto in the same way that men do. And so I refer people a lot to your podcast when they're asking about, especially, you know, women specific issues. Yeah. That's really where I focused, especially lately. And 2018 is going to be even more women focused Mm. keto stuff. So stay tuned for that. But those are kind of the places you can find me. And I'm also on Instagram, healthful pursuit. Mm-hmm. And your book, the keto oh, yeah, diet I have a book. book. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find more at ketodietbook.com um, or it's at Barnes and Noble on Amazon. Basically, any bookstore should have it. Yeah, they do. And it's a great looking book. It's a, I mean, just like paging through it, it's a very attractive book. Thank you. That took a long time to draw out all those things and concepts. So, yeah, that's awesome that you say that. So, if you are, if you've made your way through the Keto Reset Diet book and now you're looking for a book that's got more practical tips on keto and also new recipes to try, I am a big fan of of the Keto Diet book. Yeah, they those two books really complement each they other. They really well, do. So it's really great. It's it's really nice. I have them both on my table literally at all times. Like people walk in and they're like, oh, <laughs> so yes, this is my personal keto library on my front table. I like it. So for our listeners, again, you can find me in our uh, Keto Reset Diet Facebook group. So if you go to Facebook and you are and you search the groups function for the Keto Reset Diet, you will find one that pops up with the cover of the book on it. And I am there all the time hanging out with our 16,000 plus members at the time of taping. So come find me there. And I really appreciate your time, Leanne. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hi, it's Brad Kearns to tell you about Paleo Cooking Boot Camp. Oh, what fun. Finally, you have a chance to learn from a real professional about intentional cooking, where you maximize the efficiency of your time, dedicate two hours on the weekend to cooking, and Chef Katie French, the earthivore, will take you through this incredible whirlwind cooking session where you cook enough in two hours to have ready-made delicious paleo approved meals for the entire week paleocookingbootcamp.com this is a digital version of her award-winning course that was given to students live in the bay area and now wherever you are whatever you're doing you can have a step-by-step approach that makes it easy to succeed in the kitchen even if you're not a big foodie even if you're a little intimidated about doing recipes just push the play button and Katie will take you through the cooking course. It's a two-hour boot camp every weekend designed to last for a month and you will be dialed with your paleo meals. Just open up that refrigerator door. Imagine having all these delicious snacks and breakfast items 
dinner entrees, dessert treats, even. And let me tell you, I was on the set watching this whole production. It is the real deal. The food is absolutely amazing, and you will be surprised what you can accomplish in the kitchen with an intentional cooking method. There's no other course like this found in the world. We looked, believe me. So check out PaleoCookingBootCamp.com and enroll today. 